You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan of complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refund. That theme song is courtesy of Robert Summers. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, it was clear no one else was going to step up. <laughs> <laughs> you did very well done, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, don't have to say that. <laughs> we do. It's true, but we mean it anyway. Thanks. We don't mean it. We do mean it. <laughs> we don't she can hear you. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, any of the listeners like it. Yes, I, I hope they will too. And this is Deliberations of Doom. We are on episode 10. Holy cow. Yeah, not wow. counting the video that we did for the Bad Batch. Right, yeah. yeah. Which was fun. Oh. You guys, video, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It yeah, was I, pretty, pretty it, was, it was a lot of fun to do until they started the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, you don't have to suffer through that yeah. in the video review. That's very true. Uh, we, today, we are going to, well, first we're going to talk about a recent horror film that we all got to see that uh, we're going to give a review for, which is The Belko Experiment. Which actually got a lot of notice, I suspect, largely because they plastered James Gunn all over the name, all over the advertisements for it. You know, of course, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, but he just wrote it, did not direct it. But nonetheless, definitely worthy of, of speaking of. And then the rest of our episode, we're going to be talking about our picks for off-the-beaten-track vampire films that are worth seeing. And suffice it to say, we will not all agree about each other's picks. I don't think we ever agree, though. <laughs> yeah. We should definitely point out who picked what movie. Oh, we're, oh. we're going to go around. Oh, okay. yeah, all right. Sure. But let's uh, get started with talking about The Belko Experiment, which, like I said, uh, written by James Gunn, directed by Greg McLean, who is a director I'm not fond of. Um, he, yeah, I really, I finally saw Wolf Creek. Like, I hadn't seen it, because I remember my friend Cargo was like, don't see it, man. I know you, and you're going to hate it. And I was wow. like, but everybody seems to like it. And I finally watched it, like, a month ago. I was like, wow, I hate this movie. I love it. I would have thought you would have liked it, Chris. Yeah. I, I just, love that movie. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of misogynist, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. really, like, unnecessarily brutal, and there's no fun to it on any level. It's just, like, unrelenting, like, almost torture porny. You know? Yes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. it definitely came out in and, that wave of those. And, yeah. it, and it suffers from the, let's go back even though we're home free. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, oh my God, characters doing the stupidest shit. You're like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, at the same time, a damn good looking movie. I remember it like, is. he directed It's well shot. It. Yeah. Um, now, the Belko Experiment is the only other film he's done that's not a Wolf Creek movie. He did Wolf no, Creek. No, he, uh, he did the, was it The Darkness? The Darkness for, I think, uh, what's his face? Also for, for Blumhouse, I believe, with Kevin Bacon. No, you're right, you're right. And he did a, a he did giant... A- Crocodile movie. Rogue? Rogue, yeah. Okay, I didn't see that. Which is the first place Rogue we ever saw terrible. Sam Worthington. But Wolf Creek is definitely his, his has been his uh, uh, money ticket. Yeah, did you guys he's, know there's a Wolf Creek TV show? He's working on it right now. Yeah, yeah a Wolf Creek television I'll series. I'll watch that. I don't know what about that storyline spins sequels and spinoffs. It's a crazy guy in the outback who just kills people. Because it's horror. If your movie makes because any money at all, they're, they're going to find it. a way to make a sequel to it. You know? And it's based on a real-life serial killer who's never been caught in Australia. Yes, it is. That is oh, true. I didn't know that. You know what? Let's make a lot of these things now. The, 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 as far as I know, the Belko experiment is not based on a real-life situation. I certainly <laughs> hope not. Uh, the idea being here is that it's a... Uh, Belko Industries owns this huge office building that's put out in the middle of Bogota, Colombia, that's mainly imported Americans working there, although there's a certain amount of locals there as well. Uh, we follow our main character... Uh, I believe it's John. Is it John Gallagher Jr.? Yep. Is that it? Yeah. Yep. Who is basically the uh, Jim from the office of this movie? 
<laughs> or he would be if it was a funny movie, which it kind of isn't. He even looks like him. Yeah, he yeah, look kind of. But they're definitely like making you feel. Oh, he's a Jim from the Office. He even has kind of like a a thing with a girl there. You're just like, okay, they're setting you up to for for the, him definitely being the protagonist of this film. And you know, he introduced to a lot of other characters who are working here. His his, his girlfriend is Le- Leandra, played by uh, Adria Arjona, who is. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the chief operating officer of the company, who seems like the greatest boss ever, is played by Tony Goldwyn, who's an old like. Can, a, can I add actor. a little little tidbit? Yeah. He hasn't aged a day since Ghost. No, I know. I looked at him. I go, "Is the villain from Ghost? Who is it?" I go, oh, "He's the same. He looks guy. exactly the same. He's a vampire. Yeah, yeah. he's a vampire. <laughs> fitting with today's theme. <laughs> um, and then you have like a, a lot of familiar faces, like Michael Rooker." Who's sadly only in this for a little bit. I uh, know. Which you're like, man, really? Michael Rooker uh, plays the head of maintenance here. And uh, what, what's his name? Who's Dr. playing the, 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 the crazy guy? Um, Sean Gunn's always in it. Yeah, uh, Sean, Sean Gunn has an appearance. Well, who's, the, who's the guy who's like the most uh, aggressive John guy? Mc- John McKinley. Yeah, McKinley is like the guy who like you know right off the bat. Dr. This Cox, is the yeah. dude that's going to get unhinged yeah. more than anybody. Uh, <laughs> and the idea is like metal shutters suddenly come down on the place. A voice comes out of nowhere. The loudspeaker is like, hey, guys, it's a, a special work day. Today, you guys have this much time until this many people are dead at your own hands or will kill even more of you. Because they have chasers in their head. Yeah, like, they're like, oh, yeah, it's, but there's a lot of uh, kidnappings in Colombia, so we're giving you tracers so we can find you, not mentioning there's also high-powered explosives in said tracers. So it turns into a sort of like, what kind of people are you type of experiment as our main character, Mike, is like, no, we don't have to do, we can find another way. There's got to be another way to do this. We don't have to kill each other and let's act the other characters are like, nope, we're going to have to kill. And it's basically a smorgasbord Smorgasbord? Smorgasbord. That's when the Borg kill everyone. (laughs) A cornucopia. (laughs) A cornucopia of murder. uh, Of graphic, brutal murder. Which obviously you can tell right now just hearing that description, this is either totally your type of movie or you're like, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. But what did you guys think about this? I liked it. Um, I actually had really low expectations because I know this did not do very well in the theaters, and everyone was seemed to have like a lot of disappointments surrounding this movie, from what I can tell. But I actually enjoyed the movie. I also like you know gory stuff, so that was there. At one point, there's like this sort of like execution style firing line, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, they totally that was that was kind of rough to watch, which made that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on it, and I've I've got like a lot of uh, kind of guesswork into it. I feel like I mean I don't know if it's a fact, or I'm just guessing at this. I feel like James Gunn maybe wrote this script a little while ago. That's what I feel. Yeah. And just kind of was sitting on it, and then like, hey, look, I'm famous now, and, I can make whatever and somebody I want. takes and, and runs with it. But to me, watching the advertising, I thought it was more of like a uh, a comedy horror action, and yeah. there was. It was actually really bleak and sad. No, this is and not a really comedy dark. Horror. It's like Schindler's List sad in some moments. Yeah. You're like, oh my god! They're like, who has children? Get over here! Who's old? Get over there! There are little yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge moments of, of but it gets dark and a little bit of sort of like Jesus. That killing was so over the top. You might laugh, but it's not a comedy horror. It's not. It's very serious even and dark. Like Sean Gunn is kind of like the comedy relief, and he's not. Very but even comical. his actions, yeah, he's still not comical. And things that he's doing could, like you know, like dumping water coolers, which yeah. could actually kill people. And there's things in there that were kind of, and I get like, I mean, it was probably you know a statement on the workplace in America and being a hostage to your job, and I get that. Sure. But I feel like the premise was so flawed to the fact where it was like really explosives in people's heads, and that's how you're gonna get. It's like we know what's gonna happen. This experiment, like, yeah. you, like I know people are gonna start killing each other, and why are we doing this then? Yeah. Like, what are you learning from this? And to me, 
the flaw was in I did not care about that because I knew it was going to happen. And to me, I'm just it was well made. Yeah. I just didn't dig it. It was well made too. I guess yeah. I was very much expecting something different yeah. than what it was. It's one of those films I feel like give it a year or two, I'll come back to and feel like I'll like more. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. Yeah. I just did nothing for it's me. It's very well executed, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of executions in it. I just, it, I, it was really just that utter bleakness of this yeah. film. I, it's what, so that, dark. It that's almost, what I liked about almost it. Almost removes any sense of fun to have with the film. And when I see a movie that's this much sort of like crazy creative carnage, I want it to be fun. You know, I and disagree. not just like like getting more and more disturbed as it goes up. I think with mainstream horror, they're all like, especially nowadays, it's all glossy. They're all highly polished. Everything has a happy ending, and I, I so I kind of liked how bleak it was. It was I thought it was refreshing. But I felt it was forced. <laughs> it was forced bleakness out of me. Yeah. Like okay. the storyline was so forced. Like okay. there's no way I would take a job and they're like, hey, let me put this you know steel ball on the back of your head. That's gonna. I mean, like no. Yeah, I'd be like that. that I that's can find another job. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, yeah, I I um I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was uh, smart. I thought it played with the premise in a really neat way. Um, it was a really cool cast uh, of not necessarily the the biggest stars in the world, but people that I always like in other things. Um, Lots of people you recognize. Yeah. Right. where do I know them? And you're like, and you're like, oh, I like when that guy shows up. And I think um, I, it's interesting you guys uh, talk about the bleakness. I, I don't think you can avoid how how bleak the movie is, and there's an inevitability to what's going to happen. But I think what I really liked about the movie was I felt that it did not wallow in that, which I think a lot of movies do. And I felt that he was able to navigate that, especially the the thing that we keep talking about, which there's a, there's a big uh, sort of execution scene that is – could be, I think, in another movie would take that and run with it and just really focus on that. And I think – that's really what I liked about the movie was it, it didn't forget that it was a thriller. It didn't forget that it was trying to be entertaining. And uh, and I guess other people would take the movie to task for that. I, I don't. I think, uh, you know, you have other movies like something like, say, I don't know, Blindness or something where you have almost the same kind of premise. You have these people pitted against each other in this pressure cooker. And it's it's it's... It's too high-minded. It's this is not a high-minded movie, uh, which is fine. I like that about it. Uh, I really liked McLean's direction a lot. I thought it's slick. I, I feel like this is the kind of movie that other film critics would point to and say, "This is what's wrong with America. This is what's wrong with <laughs> cinema. This is this is just trash. It's a terrible, violent, horrible, nihilistic movie." To which I would reply, "Yeah," and that's really what I liked about it. But I, I don't think it's a trashy movie. Um, I, but in that in that same sense, I don't think it's a super high-minded movie that thinks it's above the material. So I, I thought it kind of hit the mark for what it was trying to do. And I especially have to say, I thought it had a really great last five or ten minutes. I did too. It, it, it gets very Cabin in the Woods-ish. Yeah. And it, oh, could, that's, yeah. and it really could be a, a film that uh, just falls apart at the end. And instead, it, it really came together in a great way. I, I really liked where it went. There's a... There's a, a a person who shows up right at the end of the movie who's an actor I always like to yeah, see. Yeah, you again. recognize right off the bat. And, <laughs> and what they did with him and his look almost felt like something from a different movie, like almost like an '80s movie or it something. It made you feel like you were suddenly in the part of a bigger thing. And and I enjoyed that. And so you know, the last shot is great. The the so I I, I don't know. I this is a, this is not a movie I would recommend to everybody. No. 
But I do think, and I would say, it's not a horror film per se, but I would recommend it to horror fans, especially. Yeah, if you like Die Hard, you'll love this. Yeah. <laughs> if you like or, the Muppet movie, you'll love this. If you're a fan of Muppets Take Manhattan. Or Dread, <laughs> or any of those. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys covered almost everything that, I, I kind of had a lot of feelings watching this movie, and you guys covered almost all of them. Um... I, I thought of a lot of different movies watching this one, like Battle Royale, which mm-hmm. I think is probably a superior film, but yeah. um, was was definitely a template for what this movie is, which that's obviously the pitch was The Office meets Battle Royale. Um, Russ is right. I think that, and, and you guys are right too, I, I feel like that it is sort of ugly in nature, and it could probably be more fun um, in some places. It could be more kind of goofy or played like satirically, and in McLean seems to like a bit of the, the darker edge to it, that he, he brings that Wolf Creek sort of brutalness to it. He's so, really about the ugliness of humanity. Yeah, but at the thing. same time, with what Russ was saying, that it doesn't wallow in it in the way something like Michael Haneke's Funny Games does, where it's like, oh, you want you want blood and carnage? Here you go. Isn't this awful? By the way, I fucking hate that movie. Me, so I much. fucking hate that movie, too. It's, it's a guy going, I'm going to make a horror movie that tells you why you suck for liking horror movies. Yeah. I'm like, go fuck that yourself, Haneke. That is definitely <laughs> a movie, yeah, that's a movie that evokes very strong feelings. We'll talk about that one later. But, um, <laughs> Another time. I know, because w- we'll go off on a tangent for the rest of this. <laughs> And that is a movie you Fuck can go on and on about. This movie is is better than that. It's more of a movie. It's fun. It it, it is short too, which I have to give it props for. Um, it doesn't. It it keeps moving the whole time. Yeah, I was excited about that ninety three or eighty eight <laughs> minutes. Yeah, yeah I was excited really when I saw that. Yeah. I was like, sweet. I think that shows that while there is some fairly upsetting stuff, um, it it doesn't stay on screen long. And honestly, for a movie that is about such dark material. It didn't stick with me. I didn't think about it much after I saw because I saw it in the theater like when it came yeah. out. I didn't think about it much afterwards. I was like, it's fine. It's like for like genre fans or like sci-fi horror fans, you know, this is a good enough way to waste time as long as you're not easily offended or sure. upset by things. So it is bleak, but it is a little more. It is a little more. I think if you want to just watch people get picked off. There's this movie called The Circle, which is on Netflix, oh, and it's literally yeah. people just getting whacked every three minutes. I was actually thinking of, there's another one called, I think, House of Nine, which yeah. is, is also kind of similar to this, which right. is, is an indie, is a well-done indie horror. Yeah, those are a little bit more like, oh, shit, people going down. But um, <laughs> but this one is, you know, I, I, I would agree that it's, I wish it was a little more farcical sort of fun or something but overall I mean I think it's a, it's a fairly solid I tried to track down for you guys in fact I, I contacted the rep from South By and everything it's like is there any way I can get a copy of Mayhem the show people oh, right. yeah. I saw us at South it's By similar, it's, right? it's similar it's Joe Lynch making a movie that, that is yeah kind of similar with Stephen Yuen who was uh, uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and it's exactly it does ex- everything right that I didn't like about mm-hmm. the Belko experiment where it's it's, it's carnage but it's doing it with very tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's there to have a good time. There's lots of ironic deaths. It's like Belko with zombies, right? Yeah, basically. Like it's a rage virus type thing mm-hmm. where everybody goes crazy and it has this running line where the, the main guy is kind of like, like I, I have to do this because then I'm going to have a, like a good, better job if I survive this too. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to lose my job unless I get through this and die. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, he's a, he's such an interesting anti-hero character where you like him and don't like him at the same time. I feel like if you would have taken the guns out of Belco, it would have been a better movie. 
Yeah, possibly. They would have had to that be creative sense. on how they would have to do things. They would have made for a more inventive movie. An and decision. that's kind of one of the things yeah. I loved about La Horde is, which is also kind of similar, like but that. with zombies, is like they the run book? out of yeah, yeah. they well, run out of bullets, movie, yeah. and so they have to get really super creative. Like you know, they're killing people with toilets, and it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, just, I just feel they could have been more that, That's, a, that's yeah. a good note. I, I, I would also like to add, uh, just as a recommendation, if you like this movie, there's a really good book by a crime writer and, and comic book writer named uh, Dwayne Scherzinski called Severance Package, which is kind of the same setup where they're, they find out that their agency is, is part of a, a, a spy network and they're shutting the agency down so they all have to kill each other. And uh, it's it's pretty good. Oh, that sounds badass. Yeah, it's, it's yes. good he was uh, he did Facebook. Uh, this movie sounds real familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds Joker like like Kingsman Two might have a similar a certain aspect of that as well. It sounds like like oh the spy network's broken wide open and now everybody's trying to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. That's yeah. not a horror we'll film, Chris. <laughs> but it is pretty damn violent. <laughs> uh, all right, so moving on to vampires and not John Carpenter's because we discussed that one already. Yeah. <laughs> and nor would it, I we can talk about it again. <laughs> Anyone would put it as would have grabbed it as their pick for this list, but you know we we figured we'd at least talk about the two most formative vampire movies, which is not Nosferatu and Dracula. And starting Nosferatu, one of those films, a lot of people are like, yeah, I probably should see it at some time, um, and they never have. You can watch the damn thing on YouTube. I mean, it, it's out there. It's a 1922. Like, if you're a a student of film, yeah, a masterpiece of expressionism. Although I still go with Cabinet of Dr. Caligari for that period of being the mm-hmm. best of the best. But Nosferatu is a fascinating little movie. It's pretty short. F.W. Murnau making this film, starring the Max Schreck as the vampire Count Orlock. They had to change his name because uh, Bram Stoker's estate was not pleased anyone was making this, so they had to keep changing things around a bit in order to not get sued, which they did anyway. And they had to destroy all the copies. Yeah, correct? this film almost was almost was completely lost. Yeah. Strangely, you know. But now, of course, you can get it. It's ubiquitous. Said, yeah. Um, and you know, if, what's the name of the movie about Shrek? Uh, the narrative oh, film. Oh, um, um, Shadow, Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah, great fun take. Is that what if Shrek yeah, yeah, was Max Shrek, who was really a total oddball in real life, was actually a Nosferatu vampire, and the director realized this was like, I'm going to make a film around this guy. He's going to be great. Great. I, I think that's a really fun movie. I really enjoyed yeah. it, and a very educational piece. Actually, despite being fictional, there's a lot of stuff in there that's real about really about the making of the film and the difficulties and how fucking psychotic Max Shrek actually was. He was like a real whack job of a guy. But um, well, that wasn't his name because they tried to. Uh, that actually is, I think, a word for fear. Yeah, Max Shrek is the actual. It's, it's, I believe you're correct, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they tried to build a legend like he just showed up and he was like this and then he made the movie and he vanished, but he was but a weirdo. It's interesting that that depiction of you know Dracula vampire with the long extended fingers and the bald head and the pointed ears has become a specific sideline of vampires for what you call Nosferatu. Like, as if there's a difference between a vampire and a Nosferatu now. Nosferatu are, like, the ugly, deformed ones, mm-hmm. and vampires tend to be sexy. Yeah. <laughs> sexy and mysterious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they even call vampire Nosferatu and the Dracula made eight years later. Yeah. Which right. is kind of funny. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will recommend there's a lot of different versions out here on DVD and Blu-ray of this. And a lot of them are pretty cool with stuff they do to it. Like, there's a lot of different people who've soundtracked it and everything. And it's worth taking a look. The one I saw had the entire score redone by the London Symphony Orchestra. Right. And it was it sounded amazing. And, uh, 
And they also did like a new color pass at it as well, so it had like oh, wow. you know some tints to it. Dude, there's so many different t- versions yeah. available. I, I just bought the one on iTunes because I was like, right. "Fuck it, I might as well own it." Yeah. I'm gonna watch it again sometime <laughs> soon here. I think I have like three different copies of it yeah. throughout my collection, oh, wow. various compilations and shit. I wasn't even aware of that. Um, now, uh, Bram Stoker's well, not Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's a totally different film, but um, the film. Based the first film called Dracula was in 1931, directed by the great Todd Browning, you know, who who did many other good things afterwards, starring Bela Lugosi in the role of. I mean, there's no other. You you got to call it the role of his lifetime because it mm-hmm. was. I mean, it was despite him trying to get away from it for years, he eventually embraced it and was buried in the Dracula cape. Well, he you know? he begged for this job. Yeah. Yeah, they what they he went after what to, uh, to secure the movie. They went after what Cheney Senior, and he had like throat cancer or something, and uh, couldn't do it. And then he begged and lowballed everybody in Hollywood to get the job. Right, and based on a on a uh, stage play that was already immensely popular at that time. Yeah, uh, and one of the one of the interesting sidelines people don't realize about this back then, Universal always trying to save money and realizing there was actually a big Spanish speaking audience, filmed at the same time a Spanish version using the exact same sets and props and everything. That's actually a longer and some even say better film. I. I don't know. I mean, I still haven't watched it. I have it. I've just never gotten around to watching that version of it. They just do more cool things with the camera, and they take more risks. Yeah. And so you see cooler special effects in camera at that time would have been really difficult to pull off, and they, they pull off better tracking shots, better smoke shots. There's more things breaking, and it's just more fun and more edgy. Even the women have more low-cut outfits on. <laughs> nice. Like, it's definitely more edgy. I think it's fascinating that Dracula's budget was $355,000 in 1931. That had to be a huge yeah, budget it's, for the it's time. Fi- it's equivalent of $5 million plus today. Mm. But $355,000, like a later film that we're going to talk about, Afflictive, their budget was only $300,000 mm, right, in too. modern day. You know, can, So can you imagine, where did that money go? <laughs> Where did that money go? Because, uh, like you said, Bella Lugosi took a huge page pay, pay cut. Mm-hmm. I think it was like seven hundred dollars a week. Five hundred. Five hundred dollars a week. A week. Which was like that's still a lot half. of money. It's, it's, half of it's what still fifty-two thousand yeah. dollars total, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, where did that money I mean, go? You watch this movie, the appeal is definitely, A, the biggest appeal, Bram Stoker, or I'm sorry, Bela Lugosi himself, who is mesmerizing yeah. in this part. And it doesn't, the, the, the technique they use, which I believe is the first time anybody did this, of using light spotlights specifically on his eyes yeah. when he was being, giving you the look, the, 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 the Dracula look, was, still looks really cool and, and fun. And then the sets, which are just, Jaw-droppingly beautiful. The sets are yeah. beautiful, yeah. that's yeah. for sure. Just gorgeous, huge I wonder if that budget things. was for both this movie and the Spanish one. Probably not. <laughs> they probably gave like the Spanish film like 20 grand. 20 grand. To, it was like here. But something that I, we, I wanted to just jump back to really quick, because I find it interesting throughout vampire lore and vampire films, is in Nosferatu, uh, Morale rewrote, rewrote the last 12 pages. It wasn't in his script. And put in there that Dracula dies in the sunlight. Yeah. And that was never part of Bram Stoker's, you know, novel. Uh, sunlight just weakened vampires, didn't kill them. Right. Now it is known as fact that a vampire can't go in the sun because of an unauthorized movie that was made in Germany. Yeah, otherwise they, really or like, they, or they sparkle. That. Yeah, well, no, 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 that, 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 we don't know about that one. That's not, no. But think about how cool that is. Like, somebody just kind of wrote their own 12 pages, yeah. and now it's known as, like, fact, vampires can't be in the well, sun. It's, it's like the whole uh, Return of the Living Dead. The satire is the one where zombies eat brains come from. Everyone yeah. assumes that's from Romero. It's like, no, it was the, it was the spoof yeah. that added that into the lore. 
right. oh. strangely enough. But, um, uh, yeah, I think this is really worth watching. It's not that long. It's 85 minutes. And if you get a newer version, like, one of the issues with this film, that watching it without uh, the added soundtrack, is there is no soundtrack. And it gets pretty dry. You're like, wow, this is something feels like it's missing. And it's there's no music. I really recommend if you if you get a copy with this and the new Universal releases all have it is Philip Glass recorded a soundtrack for yeah. this that's terrific. It's beautiful and goes with it so well. Oh wow! Um, one thing that I thought was really apparent is the script was adapted from the stage play more than it was the book. Yeah. And when you watch it, mm-hmm. it feels like you're watching White Christmas, but with a uh, you know a Count Dracula there because it's all like inside like one area yeah. and people just kind of walk into a room like, oh, what are you doing here, Renfield? Oh, looking for the master. And then, yeah. oh, hello, Renfield. It's just very olden day yeah, yeah. Like the thing sitcom the guy, yeah. soap yeah, he, like, opera. The window, so, Look, did you see him? He's running away. He's turned into a wolf. And like, um, it's, it's very much a Broadway play because you have to think set pieces. Sure. And uh, the only thing I hate about this movie is the ending. Yeah. It's so like... I mean, you know what? Spoiler alert, whatever. It's been out for 80 fucking <laughs> seven years you or whatever. If you haven't seen it yet. He, they're chasing him. He's carrying the woman. He closes the door. They break the door down, and then he's sleeping in his coffin. Yeah, no, so they are chasing him. He was tired. He carried that chick the whole. He way. literally just goes to sleep. It was very, in the climax of the movie. Very anticlimactic, as is like the death of Lucy, which is totally off screen. Mm-hmm. You're just like, wait, Lucy's wait, dead. Did yeah, I miss that? I didn't, I didn't even catch that it happened. Yeah, it's not other characters going. Oh yeah, she's dead. Didn't we mention she's that laying over there dead? About it. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about Nosferatu is uh, I guess um, Robert. Eggers is going to be remaking Nosferatu, the director I, I of The that, Witch. Yeah. yeah, so yep. that should be really interesting to see where that goes because he definitely has that ambiance. Yeah, so. very atmospheric. Yeah, yeah he killed that. And, yeah. and not the first person to remake it, obviously. We had yeah. the one with Klaus, Klaus yeah. Kinski playing the lead wow. role, yeah, Klaus Kinski mm-hmm. by Werner Herzog, that yeah. I think is totally worth watching. Yeah. Totally different movie than the original. I mean, wow, what a different take on the story. Yeah. But, you know. It's got my ex wife, Isabel Jante, in it. <laughs> Your future ex wife. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I really liked uh, revisiting these movies. Um, I hadn't seen them in a, in a long time. I I do have to say with Nosferatu, the, the stuff with the vampire is is truly iconic. It's everything everybody says it is. Uh, but you've probably seen most of it on clip shows or David Bowie videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I, the, the stuff with the silent movie is, is not my favorite. I'm not a huge silent movie guy. Um, and but I, I would say that as far as the the Dracula, yeah, it was a little stilted. But I, I had forgotten it was a really entertaining movie. Yeah, and and it was it so it, it's one of those black and white movies. I think you might be like, is this going to be worth watching? Like, because I do think some movies, you know, you go back and watch them. Like as Chris and I discussed the other day, the Mummy, yeah. the original Mummy, is it's just not, not worth going back to. Although uh, I think. Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are, and I would put okay. Dracula up there yeah. with this, and the werewolf as as worth checking out. Like beyond just curiosity, it's a good movie. If you're interested in filmmaking, watch it and see what a difference eight years makes. When you watch Nosferatu made eight years prior, mm-hmm. and then you watch this film, you go, "Wow, they have." Cut-ins and other angles and other things going on, and yeah. you see like you know sound came around in what twenty seven from uh, the jazz singer, and like you see leaps and bounds in eight years. 
that you don't see in any other field. And it's really cool to watch them back to back and see yeah. where cinema evolved to I, and where we're coming from. I always love how much we as Americans love to assume we invented everything in cinema, that that was, that was mainly us. And the, the, if you go back and watch the Germans' Expressionist period, you're like, Jesus Christ, they invented half the shit in cinema in the early the shadows. Horror, horror cinema. Yeah, but yeah. in cinema in general, yeah. they were like, man, major technological advances and I, you know, just ideas yeah. and shooting. They were like, wow, they did a lot of stuff and then we took back over. Like, okay, we got it from here, Germany. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, we did. <laughs> well, we also took all their directors. Yes, we did. Over here to make our movies. Yes, we did. We're like, you guys don't want to be in Germany right now. Trust it's me. a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I felt that watching these, I think Russ and I talked about, um, you know, the, the vampire in Nosferatu is so iconic. It's really a, a really great vampire. And like you said, it, it, it basically initiates its own chain of this genre. And um, I think, I think like, if you watch movies when, when people have to um, put a vampire in the movie, it's always interesting. Do they go the Dracula route? Is that their vampire? Or do they go the Nosferatu route? So you look at something like Salem's Lot and you say, like, Tobey Hooper's vampire is the Nosferatu vampire. You look at Carpenter's vampires, and obviously he likes the Count Dracula vampire. Mm-hmm. So each one sort of, you sort of choose how do you look at these guys, or even like something like Blade 2, and you see, obviously, um, you know, uh, Del is going to pick Nosferatu because he's more of a monster. But it's a great take. I, it's, and like you said, like it invents things like he's going to die in sunlight, and so you see how important these movies are. I did think Lugosi's Dracula. They cut to those. They have a lot of close-ups of him. Yeah. Um, one or two of them, like his first, they have that amazing, beautiful floating sort of tracking shot towards him. Um, really neat, and you can see how influential it is. But he's. It is a very theatrical movie. It's oh, a yeah. little goofy. It feels a little <laughs> stage-bound in some ways. Um, it starts pretty good. I also didn't know that um, Renfield was like the guy that goes. To I know, well, that. because I've never seen a version where Renfield is one one of the primary characters before Dracula. Yeah. Before this, usually one. he's already been turned by the time Harker. Yes, yeah, he's there. he's kind of like the guy who fills in a bit of exposition. Right. He adds a little bit of creep, but he's definitely not a big character here. He is the like yeah. when you watch Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, Scor- the Scorsese or Coppola one, like. It, Renfield's part is taken over by uh, Tom Waits. No, 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 no. I mean, like in the beginning. Oh, right. Who t- where in here, Renfield's the one who, who is the solicitor who goes to Count Dracula's yeah. castle and meets with him. And in uh, Coppola's version, it's Harker. Right? It's Harker. Yeah. Who yeah. Does yeah. It. And yeah, this was more like Samwise and Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> um, he plays a great crazy guy, uh, Dwight Fry. He started off, I'm like, I don't like this guy. And then as soon as he became Renfield, I was like, this guy's great. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we should probably move on yeah. to our picks uh, for the, uh, our, not necessarily the best vampire movies, but the ones we thought were interesting and should be discussed that aren't always put on people's list for best vampire films. And I guess just going down the, the order of the list I put in here, which is arbitrary, we'll start with Rob yeah. with his Only Lovers Left Alive, which I'm just going to say, of this whole list, this is one of my favorite movies on this list. Uh-huh. I thought I was going to hate this movie. Yeah, because you're uh, like, oh, this is a good yeah, movie. Yeah, this I'm is not like one like of those it. artsy, you know, like, you know, not artsy, but thinker films, which I'm not a big, you know, any yeah. thinker films. <laughs> but I I thought I was going to absolutely hate this movie. I'm not a huge fan of Tilda Swinton. 
And she was actually my favorite part of mm-hmm. this movie. I, I'm not a fan of emo Tom Hiddleston. Like, his emo-ness was just too much for me. But I love Tilda Swinton's character. I was character. like, dude, I plays love... on to the downward spiral. <laughs> <laughs> this, You're right. This movie is just, you really don't get to see a lot of, like, vampires who are just like, okay, we've been alive for this long. We're super, super smart. Like, we can speak Latin. Yeah, that's uh, the the premise being, essentially, we meet two vampires, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston, and they've been alive for, I don't think it ever says specifically, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They are old vampires. And they've both kind of fallen into their rut of a life that they're, because they're kind of like Emily. having trouble engaging with what the world has become, or people today, which the they zombies. refer to as the yeah. zombies. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is uh, really into music. When we first meet him, he's uh, hanging out with Anton Yelchin, R.I.P., uh, who hopefully is a vampire somewhere. I'm just saying. We want Tears. Yelchin to go on. And John Hurt, R.I.P. And John Hurt, well, well, John, also R.I.P. Uh, yeah, uh, Yelchin is like a young uh, a getter for Tom Hiddleston, whose character who doesn't want to leave his big old creaky house in the middle mm-hmm. of the rundown area of Detroit. Um and he brings them stuff. When he per- first see we're bringing, he's bringing him anything. He's bringing him like five amazing, awesome vintage guitars, which he's. You're like, oh, he's a musician. Meanwhile, Tilda Swinton is off in I forget where she. Do you Morocco. Remember, Morocco. I think Morocco. Yeah, she's hanging out. Tangier. Also, like you said, R.I.P. John Hurt, who's playing Christopher Marlowe, the mm-hmm. famous writer. And there's a joke about him having actually written Hamlet in here. And he's stuff. also a vampire. Yeah, who's also a vampire. Well, you know, it's modern day. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it comes down to these two getting back together, uh, these two main characters in, in the same place, and then the entry of another character, um, played by Mia Wasikowska, who is a vampire neither one of them particularly likes, but there's a certain amount of auto-loyalty among what appears to be a very small group of vampires that are around, and she kind of throws their lives into chaos. But that is the plot, and this is Jim Jarmusch in... A film that's, I feel like, feels like more of a rock and roll movie than a horror movie, really. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. I mean, it's so filled with music, largely recorded by Jarmusch and his, his band himself. Um, but it's beautifully ambient, like his films tend to be, but it also moves pretty fast, all things considered, you know? And I, what I think I like best about it is the only vampire movie I can think of that's about what it would be like to have lived this long. It's not really about the other aspects of being a vampire. It's about that sort of NUI and where do you go from here? And, you know, how do you even relate to anyone when you've lived for like a thousand years? I just felt like this is one of the things that I hated about interview with a vampire was there's this dichotomy between Lestat who's like fun loving and a little bit of a monster, but you know, he's, he's, he's embracing life. And then there's Louie who you just want to punch in the face because you're just like, get over yourself, Louie. We were talking about this and I'm like, I feel like if vampires were real and you know it because you became one, (laughs) you'd be like, well, I'm a super predator, so fuck that Louis bullshit. Yeah, I'm gonna go kill. Exactly. I'll, I'll go. I'll go kill some bad guys. It's I'm gonna fine. enjoy my immortality. And I'm so, Morbius, the vampire, the shit. This is very much like that. <laughs> There's like Tom Hiddleston, who is the Louis, who's just like, oh, poor me, I'm miserable, I hate myself, I have to live with all of these zombies, and you're like, dude, just like. Go out and, like, I don't know, get laid or something. Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But then Tilda Swinton is also like the Lestat, but not quite as a, you know, she's not she's quite not as monstrous. Yeah, really. she's, but she's fun loving and she's loving her life. And, you know, e- she finds joy in just e- even the little simple things like, you know, mushrooms and like fungi, not, yeah. not like eating mushrooms. Yeah. Well, maybe. I, I don't know. I used to be a big Jarmouche fan and something happened and I stopped watching his stuff. And then I, I didn't watch this one. Just because, uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen Jarmusch from in a while. I think the last one I saw was, uh, oh, God. Was Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog, yeah. Okay. Ghost Dog. And, so I loved, and I loved Ghost Dog. He didn't do, oh, God. That was something. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Yeah, but Ghost Although Dog I was, totally Whitaker, was the last one I saw, and I loved it. That's a good And then I kind of watched part of it. I love Jarmusch. And then I saw this movie, and I go, man, he's back. This is the best film he had done since Dead Man. It was so atmospheric yep. and moody. And it was very, like... I felt like the characters were all facets of himself. Like, if you look at how much he actually... Because the guy is a genius when it comes to anything art-related, music-related, pop culture-related. And you look at the guy's wall, at Tim, Tom Hiddleston's wall, it's like... It's almost like a wet dream for him, if you will. I wish I could have been part of all these people's lives, so I'm going to have this vampire be part of all these people's lives. And then, musically, I guarantee you all those guitars he actually owns. Right. I, I bet you those were not props he found. He owns us for sure. And, um... I really liked it because it, it just – it was about like, you know, blood being contaminated, you know, be careful, you know, addictions, uh, you know, be smart, enjoy art. And then it comes a point in time when it's like – like you were saying, go out and get laid. I'm sure there comes a point in time after a thousand years and you're probably tired of fucking people. Yeah. I mean like everything gets old and the only thing he had that was great were like, you know, the inventions he was doing and it's kind of gotten to a point where he's out of stasis and he's – He's done with life. Yeah, he's, he's not even. He's he's so done with life. He's yeah. not even enjoying the be- the benefits of being a vampire anymore. He instead of going out and like going on the hunt, he goes to Jeffrey Wright, who works in a hospital, yeah. and like buys like priest like blood from him. And yeah. you're like, wow, he's he's really you know. Well, biting people is so 15th century, Chris. Mm-hmm. I but, disagree. <laughs> you know what kind of vampire Chris would? Be? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool pop culture stuff in there. Great music. I mean, the score yeah. was. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, actors are great. And I love the arc the characters go on. It was a cool journey and it was different. And it's not violent. It's not gory. It's not fun. It's just beautiful. And yeah. it's a pleasant thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say about Jarmusch, uh, one, one thing you, you can't take away from the guy is he is cool. He makes yeah. cool movies. He was sort of the, the proto-hipster king of cool before that was even a thing in the 80s, and he has continued to do that. Um, I, I found his filmography up and down depending on the movie. Um, Agreed. But but this movie is just it, – it's really what you want from uh, a Jarmusch movie, probably even more than some of his other movies. Like I think it's very entertaining. I think it's accessible, um, and I think – it, it 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 doesn't like if you look at something like Ghost Dog, it, there is a sense that there's sort of an ironic distance to what he's doing with the Hitman movie. Whereas I don't feel that here. There doesn't seem to be an ironic distance in that sense. Uh, so yeah, as far as as vampire movies, I mean, I think this is a kind of a new classic, um, and it's just yeah. I have to echo everybody else's sentiments. I, I don't know that I fell in love with it quite as much as you guys or or in particular Rob who I remember after he saw it was just ecstatic and told me to drop everything and watch it but it's a really really good movie and if you're a cinema lover I I, I find it hard to believe you wouldn't uh, enjoy this movie on some level you, you know what I also want to say is the Germans are badass 
<laughs> Nobody gave this guy money. The Germans embraced cool, and they were like, this guy's been doing it before anybody else. Did he have Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, and Mia Wachikowski oh, attached? Tom, Hiddle, Tom Hiddleston. No, he had Fassbender. Yeah, Fassbender was had it for seven years. Couldn't get it funded. And the Germans are like, what's this, does? You need the money? And they just <laughs> give it. And, you know, and then he wound up getting a Hiddleston yeah. because it was too long for Fassbender to hold on. Well, the but Ger- Germans are still trying to make up for some stuff. So. Oh, okay, we're not including that. Artistically, they back things that don't have like a built-in market infrastructure and you gotta love that yeah like they're doing that that's cool them in canada are great about that so you're making art here's some money i love that so sorry i know i i think that's a good point i i i was i think russ is right like i was over the moon for this movie it starts with these swirling overhead shots of the characters and this amazing music and i was just pulled in and what am i watching what is this like i was just in the vibe of this movie is cool as fuck it is just awesome like you just want to live in the world of this movie and the 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 the, like just the locations like Hiddleston and honestly I'm I'm not a huge Hiddleston fan I like him all right I think he's you know he's good but he doesn't do much for me and in this movie I was just in like I was like dude he is cool and the movie uses him really well I think it uses like I think emo Tom Hiddleston (laughs) well um and the same with Tilda Swinton I think one of the great things he he thought of was Hiddleston's passions in the movie are music, and so his he lives in this lair in, in Detroit that's covered in all this like electronic equipment, guitars, memorabilia. It's it's just it feels um, like something someone like that would have that he would have surrounded his world because he can't go out much. So he's built this this really interesting world out of his affectations. One of the other moments I really loved was Tilda Swinton at a certain point packs to go see him. And when she does, she packs her book and she fetishizes the book. She looks over all of them. She touches the spines and the pages. Yeah. It's so perfect. And that, 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 that this, you know, difference between us when we pack to go somewhere, what do mm-hmm. we bring? And a vampire has been alive for a thousand years. What does she bring? She brings a book collection. Her books. <laughs> yeah, that's her affectation. His is music and the worlds that they have are so great. I, I love that. Um, it, it plays with sort of the it, it explores a little bit the existential idea of the vampire that you know Hiddleston is tired and he's thinking about ending it and that's why she goes to join him but one of the other brilliant ideas in the movie that um, I think you sort of mentioned was the idea of the immortality which is these two are totally in love with each other they're not in love with other people they're not sleeping with other people but if you if you lived forever time's not a factor so they live apart for hundreds of years probably or 50, 60 it's not really said but decades at least that idea was really neat to me that you would be in love but you wouldn't necessarily need to be there because you know you don't you're not there's not there's endless amounts of time to see them later um, so I love that like she, he would live in Detroit she would live in Marrakesh is that what you guys I don't know uh, Tangier okay so um, the only thing that kind of throws me a little bit from the movie is the sister subplot thank you it's interesting um, the build up to it's interesting because it's sort of this threat that looms that she's going to show up and she's a troublemaker when she does show up it feels a little arbitrary like she just this sort of meet the parents kind of character like don't do this thing I'm going to go do this thing like it's an arbitrary conflict yeah. to the movie the rest of the movie is so elegant and so beautifully put together that's the one thing that feels a little manufactured or sort of forced to me it throws me a little bit it's probably the only 
you know, black market. I don't mind it because the other thing is the movie's smart enough to jettison it pretty quick. It's um, just like a chapter in the story. I'll say I like it because the movie doesn't have any conflict without it. Right. Although it teases you into thinking the conflict is going to do with Yelchin's character. Right. Because it starts to convince you that Yelchin is secretly selling and giving away Tom Hiddleston's music. Which right. he is. Uh, which, which he, yeah, presumably is. But you think that's going to be the conflict of the movie and it's not. It's actually... Yeah, yeah, um, and was, I, I like that. It was a little bit of a misdirect, not a major one, but I, I like her character. She puts their lives in such stark like relief, and also kind. Of, she kind of, in some ways, is more representative of everything that they don't like about mm-hmm. modern culture and life, and why they don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was gonna say I, I didn't mind it, even though what she does is so obvious. Like, oh, don't yeah. leave her to do that. It was. It's about how they react to that, though. That's yeah. what I liked. I like how. You know, Tom right. Hiddleston and that how... That great, because she's yeah. just all of a sudden out, and then they deal That's with it true. in an interesting And then way. something really cool, too, about this film is you can literally analyze every frame. And when Jarmusch makes a movie, he doesn't just go like, oh, I've got a year to make this movie. He's been probably painstakingly planning it out for years. Yeah. Even down to the location. It's, a, it's an allegory for who they are as people, are where they live. Jarmusch right. is a vampire? No, I'm just saying, like, if he was, he kind of is a vampire. But, but he think, films most of his stuff at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, like, completely filmed at night. And then even, like, living in, like, the part of Detroit that at one point was a booming, you know, metropolis for industry, and now it's this broke-down shell yeah. of itself. Yeah. Everything is, you know, a, a metaphor for one thing or another, and it's brilliant. I mean, he, he's great. Yeah. I think Tom Hiddleston would say it best. He'd say, I want to bite you like a vampire. Feel your blood. Uh, you just, let's just stop. Let's, let's just stop right there. <laughs> yes, he yeah. totally. I have no that's doubt right. that he was thinking about Trevor Reznor when he was designing his character. Um, no yeah. doubt. Even, He's even an EDM musician. You're just like, okay. Yeah. There's there's a lot of rock and roll to this movie. Oh, yeah. that, that influence is stronger than probably even movies to it. I yeah. think is the musical aspect of it. Agreed. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, I'm so glad everybody liked this one because I had to pick a movie and I was like, I hope people aren't bored. Well, let's move but, on to a Russell choice, which is hey. thirty days. Days of Night. Yay. Russell, why don't you give us the lead in uh, the plot description of this one for the eight people out there who've never seen or heard of this movie. Uh, 30 Days of Night, which I would assume most people who have listened to this podcast, as Chris said, have seen this movie. Um, fairly recent film from about 10 years ago, uh, based on a Steve Niles uh, comic book, um, which is about a small town in... Is it Alaska? Mm-hmm. Yes. Northern Alaska? And uh, where at a certain point in the year you have 30 days give or take, of darkness. And at that point, a clan of rather violent uh, vampires descends on the town to, uh, to take it over and, and feed. And, uh, and then this follows various characters as that begins to happen. The, the skeletal remains of, of who is still in the town. Mo- most people leave the town when the 30 days happen. So the, the, the small crew of people that are left are, are uh, forced to, to tend with the vampires. Uh, can I say right off the bat how much I am totally in love with Danny Houston every time he plays a bad guy, which is to say every movie he's in. Uh, him playing the lead vampire here, which I think was really kind of a breakout role for him. Yeah. And I, I have to say, that was one of the reasons I picked this movie. Um, I, the, the movie itself, I, I think, has, has problems, but, but uh, the, the vision of the vampires, and, and in particular... Houston's performance, which I really think is a one-of-a-kind performance that has been underrated. It's not a performance many people uh, take note of, I think, because of the movie that it's in, the kind of movie that it is. But I think uh, Danny Houston it is a phenomenal performance for what it is. And, and, and the way they envisioned 
these creatures because that's what they are. They they don't have any real. They 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 seem only vaguely related to humans. They're they're feral. Uh, they and and I think what was interesting about them is there there is an I think probably the reason I picked this movie there there is a scene where Houston uh, is about to kill this one person and and it goes to a different place. They they talk about something existential. They 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 address the idea of of God and God's role in this violent thing that is happening around them. And it's kind of out of character for a movie like this, but I, I think it's phenomenal. And, and Houston just kills it with that. Um, and I it was interesting. Uh, um, I remember reading about, uh, or I'm sorry, listening to the screenwriters talking about this movie, and and one in particular talked about. That if you think about your favorite scary movies, uh, vampires aren't usually on that list. They're they're not. When we think of horror, we don't really think of vampires as particularly frightening creatures. I think because they've been fetishized in various different ways. Um, and this movie went out of their way to to make vampires really scary. They're scary. They're violent. They're they are not nice in any way. And I just I love that about the movie. The movie itself, I think, has has problems, but. It's worth seeing for their vision of the vampires. I, mean, I feel like Josh Hartnett's one of those actors who originally had a career because he was so good looking. And I think he's gotten better over time, but he wasn't at the point of his career where I was like, wow, what a good actor here. He's okay. He handles, he carries, Don't he's there to carry the movie. Don't you talk about my future ex-husband like that. <laughs> he's here to carry the movie and he does a so-so job of it. You know? Yeah, I, I think he was he was at a point in his career at, where he could still, his name could get a movie made and he yeah. was the guy that they got to do the movie. I. He's he's fine. I agree with you. He's he's probably a weak point. I I have to say I don't know that it's a particularly great character. Yeah. Um. So I'm not surprised they they couldn't find a better actor he's to barely pull into a it. character. They don't really you don't really know or care he's much. Basically about him. the lead. Yeah. I mean that's what you can say about him. He's the lead and he's a cop. And yeah. uh, and that's that's the movie. But the record I, his deputy is played by Manu Bennett, who recently has gotten famous for playing Deathstroke in the CW universe. And Spartacus. And in Spartacus, yeah. Hmm. Just I, saying. I don't remember that. Trixus. <laughs> I actually, I I agree with you, Russ. This is one of those very rare uh, vampire films where the vampires are, are supposed to be scary. They're right. not sexy. They're not, you know, going to woo you and turn you. These guys are just straight up. They're here to eat dinner. Brutal you know? killers. Yeah. And I, it's really weird because there's, like, this weird, like, they're deformed, they're not pretty, they're very animalistic, but yet they're very well dressed, <laughs> which always kind of throws yeah. me off a little bit. Like, I'm just like, why are they wearing suits and ties? Yeah. I don't well, get it's that. It's the one part. time of year they go out. I guess. <laughs> I mean, that must be it. But I, I actually I love Josh Hartnett, and um, maybe I overlook a lot of the faults in his performance because I do love Josh Hartnett, but otherwise, I think this is just a solid vampire film that's like, hey, vampires aren't supposed to be good. Pretty. Yeah, yeah. pretty. Yeah. I mean, I think the one complaint everybody always brings up about this film is that for the first half of the film, the vampires are super speed. And the second half, for some reason, they just kind of amble everywhere. Yeah. I, th I think it's after, like, you know, after a while, they they're, they're full and cold. <laughs> I mean, they are in Alaska. I'll catch you in a minute. They're I just need a second. They're wearing loafers. Well, they do have 30 days to get around to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys are all blood farting and everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they took, if they killed everybody in, like, two days, what would be the point? Right? I, 
I will say that is a problem with the movie is the timeline of the movie. It does not feel like 30 days. Well, yeah, Those because the it's yeah. like they're like, okay, they're in this attic and they need to get, they know they need to get food and then it moves forward by seven days. And you're like, when but did the they get food? You know that because the movie like, says that on screen, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, yeah, the time, the, I think that's one of the biggest flaws in the movie is you don't feel the 30 days in the way that you need to. And shout out to Ben Foster for playing the same character every single time in every movie. single yeah, movie. Yeah, Ben Foster, who needs to avoid roles that might be described as twitchy. <laughs> so. I mean, he's the Renfield here. Yeah. Actually, like, I mean, I like Ben Foster, and I even like him in this part, but it's kind of like they write, just write him out of the movie, and I was like, I kind of was hoping he would it get would, something he, cooler. It seemed like they could have done more with him. Yeah. He's such an interesting part at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like this was the role that really put him on the map in a bigger way, because he went, did 310, then this, yeah. and then he started getting the twitchy characters after this. Right. So technically, and then I remember uh, hearing an interview with him where he said like he put like tax in his shoes, so he could never put full weight down on foot. So when he walked, he was actually extra, just kind of creepy and twitchy. Jeez. And was doing, uh, he's, he's super method. He's a super method guy. Uh, I thought it was a really cool flick. Um, I thought, how did nobody think of this idea in the hundred years Bram Stoker's Dracula had been around? Mm -hmm. And this guy just goes, I got an idea. Alaska. There's days where it's 30, you know, it's nighttime for 30 days. Genius! You know, I mean, it's uh, high Steve concept. Niles actually had a story about that, which was he had pitched it as a film to various places, and nobody wanted it. And so he ended up making it as a comic book. Which was and a that, huge hit. And it, and it, yeah, and it jump-started his career, and then he said when they, of course, all of a sudden everybody wanted it, and they went back to those same places, and they said, why didn't you bring us this? This is great. <laughs> and he, he just said, you know, I was here. And they're like, well, no, I would have remembered that. But that's become so Hollywood now. It's like oh, so many sure. things are comic books that were originally pitched to Hollywood. They ignored, then they made a comic book, and then Hollywood responded just like that. Uh, this comic book in question, Ben Templesmith doing the art, who is, I think, artist, one of yeah. the best guys doing art in comics. It's a, it's a gorgeous comic book yeah. you've never read. Re Reg really works with Steve Niles. They're perfectly suited for each other. Uh, if you Also, they did a thing called Welcome to Hoxford. If you've never read that, really mm -hmm. recommend that as well. I, I actually met him one time at a comic book store here in Austin. Yeah, he used to live here. He just literally, somebody wrote him on Twitter or Instagram goes, hey, I just bought like a whole bunch of your comic. Would you mind going by and signing one if you have time? He just took an Uber over to the comic book store and sign the guy's comics. He's a really nice guy. Like the sweetest yeah. guy to like ass. take time out. And like, I was like, hey, you're Steve Knight. He goes, yeah. I, I got to spend an afternoon at Austin Books hanging out with him and Bernie Wrightson together. Oh, and wow. those two are, were, well, Bernie's dead now, but they were really close friends. Did a lot of stuff together and that was awesome. I'm just like, don't fanboy out, don't fanboy mm -hmm. out. And of course, we uh, talk about be everything Be cool, else. Chris, be cool. <laughs> keep it cool, keep it cool. It's just cool when they're good dudes. Yeah. yeah. And like, to me, high concept, nowhere near in my top 10 vampire movies, but fun movie, Good movie. Yeah. Great gore. Well worth watching. Agreed. I mean, I, I agree with um, with Russ that probably this may be the best vision of vampires of all the movies that we watched. I just was so struck by it when I saw the movie because I, I think you're right. Like, the movie surrounding it is, it's it's good. It's kind of a fine, kind. Of, uh, David Slade does have a good visual sense. I think he's a good visual director and he's done a lot of great work since then he directed the Hannibal pilot and I think American Gods yep. pilot but yeah. I'm yep. not sure he produces he's a, it. yeah he's a really I mean I think he's really well suited for, for visuals and I think it's exceptionally well shot yeah no question yeah and, and I think he, you know it doesn't it, it's a very specific look he obviously was sort of thinking of the comic book itself and everything um, one of the one of the other ways I think that it shows how much he had a vision for the vampires that in the comic book the vampires 
are like a society. They like debate. Like it opens with them like debating we sh- we should or shouldn't do this. You know, we're, we're really going out in the open. And then I think there's like a there's like a lead vampire who, who it follows him as he travels there to try and stop them once they've decided to do it. Um, and it just goes to show that their vision was no, they're they're not human. They, they wouldn't be like humans. They would think differently. They would be this sort of and so. That was what struck me was their lack of human characteristic, and um, I really love that. Uh, so I think, and I think as we were saying, like, only scary vampires really in this list. Like I was genuinely unnerved by their presence. Um, I do think uh, Foster is is fun, um, and I do think it's probably one of the best pitches ever for a movie. Like you just you can't oh, yeah. beat the pitch for this You're movie. Like, which immediately I imagine the guy hearing it going. How come I didn't think of that? I mean, <laughs> it's so good. And uh, the movie surrounding it, it kind of turns into a superhero movie at the end a little bit. It's yeah. kind of, yeah. I don't think, the, I think the third act's a little a little weak. Although it does have a pretty strong ending um, visually. But it's it's definitely a solid, cool movie. Like, this is a good movie to eat popcorn with and watch with your friends. Absolutely. Like, on the couch. like, I think that's the kind of movie this is. I, I will say this. I hadn't seen, I mean, I just remember the movie. Yeah. I didn't watch this again. But I remember the ending being so striking with what happens in the score and the yeah. visual effects that go on at the same time. I still remember the ending very clearly, which, which most movies I can't say that about. Yeah. 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 I, so I do remember it, and it does stick with you. It's a, it's yeah. a striking image. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, well, let's move on to a patient's choice, Woo-hoo. which is Byzantium. Oh, man. Still oh, no, here we go. Hey, hey, I'm with you on this one. Okay. I actually, um, this is about <laughs> a uh, young teenage girl vampire, also emo, for the love of the gods. And uh, her mother, they're on the run, seemingly, from um, a group of vampires called the Brotherhood. And they take uh, solace in this sort of rundown hotel on the coast of Ireland where um, they meet, um, I can't remember his name, is it Noel? Yes. Um, and Played he, by Caleb Landry Jones in an early role. Yep. And so he takes them in, and um, it's basically her wanting to tell her story about how she became a vampire, her and her mother's story, and she meets a young lad who they kind of fall for each other. Oh, and, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, That's Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah. They, uh, you know, she ends up, Wanting, yeah, that she just wants to tell her story. I think is the biggest plot point. Daniel Mays, who most people don't know by name, but he's in British stuff. He's one of those guys who pops up in everything. He's like yeah. a character actor. But um, yeah, uh, like this is a Neil Jordan film, and not his first vampire film. He he, he made Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, which I actually think is great. <laughs> the first movie, I really <laughs> liked it a lot. Like, um, who doesn't like Interview. It was one of those. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be worth seeing at all because you're like, seriously, Tom, Tom Cruise as yeah. a stat? Fuck you. And then it's like, oh, he's really good in it. It's <laughs> funny that to this day, amazing. I'm not sure why people thought and that. And Christian Slater is amazing. Yeah. And it's really good. It's funny that that and Bram Stoker's Dracula aren't on our list. Yeah, well, because we were, I think we were going with like a little more Whoa. under the radar yeah. stuff. But um, this is definitely a movie that like it seems like a love it or hate it type of one yeah. among people. I mean, it's, it, it drags. I'll give it that. I mean, it's it, slow, but so is Only Lovers Left Alive, you know, or several of our other picks. Yeah, but Only Lovers Left Alive, they're actually vampires. Mm-hmm. They're not vampires. They're, they're thumb stickers. <laughs> yeah. 
but does that that really makes all the difference for you? They it does. Have, geez, they have super sharp. Real thumbnails. quick, if Bram Stoker created, this is what a vampire is. You can't steal his creation and say this is a vampire. Well, they require blood wow. to survive, and so do leeches and mosquitoes. I call that wow. being a vampire. Yep. No, it's not. Blood to survive, and you. It's and like a car is a car, a motorcycle is a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Just because it drives wow. down the road doesn't make it the same thing. So it's I not... picked the two least vampire films in your opinion. You did one hundred percent, but it's okay. But to me, they're not vampires. Okay. Well, that's subjective. Thumb stick you. Thumb yeah, stickers. I think Blood and Immortal are the two yeah. base things. That you have to have those. Yeah. It's an interesting point. You have to have those two or some variation on Blood. My only note is not a vampire movie. It's my only note. A variation of Blood. I just think this is much like we, we talked about Only Lovers Left Alive. I find this very beautifully atmospheric mm-hmm. film. Agreed. Yeah, it's incredibly well acted. I've, I have such a crush on Gemma Arden. She's one of my favorites. Mom. She's, she's incredible and she regularly is wearing like long and stuff in this and you're just like she's she's she does play a hooker she's a <laughs> well I mean but they're like as the movie goes into which it off and on throughout it it tells the backstory how they got there you understand and feel very sympathetic to her why why is she a prostitute why is she more vicious towards humanity like they're just our food than the daughter Cersei Ronan, Ronan is who's like I never wanted this yeah. I still don't really want it but I don't know you know I'm stuck at a crossroads of what to do where do I go my, oh, were you done, Paige? I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, yeah, she's just, she didn't ask to be made a vampire, whereas her mother took a more active approach to becoming a vampire. My favorite part of it was actually the vampire making scenes. Yeah on the island yeah. like I was like that was interesting and it's just a beautiful film it, yeah it's gorgeously shot especially those sequences yeah. like how you, it's such a unique a take on how does how do you become a vampire mm-hmm. it's like wow that's that's cool or a thumbnail sticker thumb, or a thumbnail thumb sticker, sticker. Um, <laughs> my, my thing is I thought it was <laughs> he's a stickler for the thumbnail <laughs> it's not a vampire they're not vampires I mean they're walking around you know I mean obviously are, you know daylight yeah. no yeah. things hey, and, but it's Ireland, That's though, because so his mama was bitten while she was pregnant. Robert so Pattinson is a daywalker. Uh, that does not count. Don't count that. But I so, mean, Ireland doesn't have a whole lot of sun. True. So we'll, yeah. Okay. Are they really daywalkers? Well, here, here's my thing. I love, you know, Gemma Arterton, she's amazing. Neil Jordan's a pretty good director. I mean, I've liked, you know, a handful of his movies. Um, but it's beautifully shot. Great score. Really moody. Great locations. Art direction. Yeah. I just hate it that when I'm watching it, I'm like, why are they on the run? And I don't get that information until an hour and ten minutes into the movie. They finally reveal only men can be this class. Only and you, it, men are allowed to be vampires. No, apparently. only men are allowed to be part of the Brotherhood of the Sticking Thumb of yeah. Justice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? But I mean, that makes sense in the no way the story is told. No allowed in our club. Because the story is told where you're waiting for them unfolding their story. It is and told that's part of that unfolding yeah. of the story. If you tell sure. it so soon... Then, like that story loses so much of its oomph. That's part of that process, that re- third act reveal. I would consider that if when I th- saw that it blew my fucking mind, mm-hmm. but it didn't. So I'm like, why did you hold out that long? I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like, I could follow the story and understand their plight. Instead, I'm a stranger watching this, and I don't understand what they. Uh, I still enjoyed the movie. I did not hate it, and I thought it was beautiful and cinematic, but not a vampire movie in my opinion. The thumb sticker. <laughs> thumb sticker movie. Okay. Uh, drop the mic. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, finally, my turn. Uh, finally, if I could just, yeah. He's like, first off, you guys are all wrong I, this movie. Is yeah, wrong. I did not uh, like this movie very much. Um, I, I, 
and and I will concede that I understand everybody else's uh, love for the movie uh, or severe like whatever. I I mean the the movie is obviously Neil Jordan is is let's let's he's a real director. I mean he he really knows how to do the camera. He knows how to set atmosphere. He's and he's he's a former or I guess uh, author. So his films are very literate and and intelligent. Um, and he did. He did interview with vampires, so I guess he has that that cred. Um, I, I I have to say this about Neil Jordan, and and um, and I will say, interview with a vampire is kind of an outlier to me. Um, I I think the guy makes aggressively boring movies. I I, I don't want to turn this into a referendum on Neil Jordan's career, but I will. Too late. I will. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I will say that he he uh, the line has been drawn. Yeah, I, if you go back and watch his movies, I, I think you can say the same thing about most of his movies, even his big movies like The Crying Game. That they're 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 very literate. They're 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 they're, they're very subtle and and smart, but they're they're just kind of boring and slow. And I, I tend and, to agree with most of his films. He has a few standouts from like that movie I really like. I think The Company of Wolves is a good example too. Which I've I've movie. never seen, so so maybe it's great. But I just this this movie has a high mindedness to it that I think just kills the movie for me. I, I thought it was really, um, I it just it was it was slow and it was. I'll I'll give you that for I, sure, and I understand it. And but it, because because it does it wants to be that it, it's not trying to be Thirty Days of Night or something like that. Um, I just I just couldn't get into the movie. There, there was no there was no moment for me where I really fell in love with the movie. Russ um, is all like it's called the Brotherhood. Of course, woman can't join. I well, still no, see and, the and problem. It, um, I mean, I, Rob, Rob had a different take on it, and so we we talked at length about it. Um, but and because again, like I said, I agree with most of y'all's points. Um, <laughs> I don't totally agree with Phil's point about the thumbstick. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting... You don't agree that they use the thumbstick but, but I think it's an interesting point that um, you 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 stretch the definition of what a vampire is, particularly in this movie. And it's it's attempting it's attempting to do its own take on what a vampire is. And but you can't do that. Somebody created this thing and he gave you guidelines and you just said, yeah, I'm going to do my own. It's like no. you can't. You didn't create that. Vampires so many very... I mean, like, I, but I 30 I Days a Night vampires are nothing, nothing like Bram like, Stoker's yeah, yeah. vampires. So, just uh, athletically different. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing <laughs> they worked out they more. No I, think that, I think that Jordan and, and the filmmakers, I, I do think they're, they are going for something different. And I, I will give them this because this is something I think we, we've brought up before on this podcast there's to me there, there, there's something about movies that feel that they're above the material um, and I don't think this movie is like that I do think it is ultimately a, a vampire movie by their definition Phil by their definition um, <laughs> by so theirs. Uh, but I just I will, the one th- thing there I'll was a lot of if you're making a mummy film and you're not wrapped up in cloth it's not a mummy. End of story. And I agree with you on that. I agree. And, and if you don't turn into a wolf, you're not a werewolf. I'm just throwing that out there. But that's a base thing if you just, that. Like, you know, I could think you're a werewolf and you're not allergic to silver. I can deal with that. I could, yeah, yeah. I could deal with that. Okay, so what's the problem with them not having They're in the sunlight. They're using thumbs. They don't have things. They can't fly. Never, they can't do... It never occurred to me that they weren't vampires. I wonder but how... It's an interesting... They literally took, like, like just four or five of the main things. And but that was, that's Phil's sticking point. That's the... He latched onto that. How do you feel about Megan Fox's thumbs? I'm curious. Ew, toe thumbs. The point being is, like, they go into a a dark cave and come out. There's, like, five things, major canon things they just change. It's no longer a vampire. Call it something else, like the Sucreans or whatever they call it. Call it that. But they technically, they do. They do, they do, but yeah. when you read every write-up, vampire movie, vampire because movie. Because essentially it's a vampire. Essentially no, have the balls. I 
can't have the balls to market as a Sucrean film. But you actually at some point say, I can't you mean they're vampires. The teachers say that to them after they've read the story at a certain point. Yeah, because by by every definition except their teeth, they're vampires. Can I ask a question? Why is it that. Because this is the same thing in the Twilight movie. It's weird to me that you would have lived for for hundreds of years and you you meet like a 16 year old and you fall in love with them yeah that's always strange yeah I thought that that to me was just and particularly this 16 year old this is not a 16 year old that I would fall in love with and be like I want to tell you all my secrets to run away with me what's his name Caleb Caleb he has speaking of twitchy I mean he has made a career out of that and I just he he has cultivated this irritating screen presence yes and and I I just I could not understand for the life of me why she fell in love with this guy this is an outlier role for him he usually plays twitchy villains and stuff and this is weird that they gave him a protagonist role but it worked for me because he's supposed to be really sickly you know he's dying I guess um, I agree with Russ. He's- um, but I do agree with you on the point of like if you're a vampire I mean I'm only 47 and when I look at somebody who's like 25 I'm like you look like you're 12 not to mention like you've been a, you know a vampire for hundreds and hundreds of years and you can't you didn't learn any skill other than whoring. That was, like, that was the same thing that I like thought, which still... was you haven't figured out another way, or you haven't saved up your whoring money and put it in a savings bond or a stock market or something. That to me was surprising. Like, well, I guess we're just going to be whores for hundreds of years. You know that that you're. you're you're not killing it on the vampire front. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying you're not a vampire. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying, just saying that you could be a better vampire. Yeah. I, I, I got to go to my shifted Applebee's uh, now. Overall, I think this is a very beautiful film. And it's nice. And actually, several several of our films today that we're going to talk about are female-driven, which is really nice to see, um, in my opinion. So. And I, I agree with you. And I, I do think that that was one of the reasons I appreciated that you picked this movie, was um, the female take. I... I was pretty... Well, Russ had already seen it, and he was not in love with the movie, so I was hesitant when I went to watch it. And, and the same with Jordan, that most of his stuff is... Again, he's a really, I think, strong visualist, and he really understands how to direct big movies and how to stage things, how to work with actors. Um, you know, But it, you know, you watch something like In Dreams, and it looks amazing, it's staged amazing, but it's sort of, it just, it's sort of dull. Um, and it, it doesn't always or make the, sense. The or brave or one with, with yeah. Jodie Foster. It's just it's barely a vigilante. This one started that way for me. Um, the two leads, uh, Gemma Atherton, and especially um, Cersei Ronan. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Cersei. Uh, I've seen her in quite a few. She is someone I think is so good. I will literally watch a movie because she's in it. Agreed. I think she's luminous. I think she projects such uh, uh, such a deep feeling when she's on screen. Just. Her face is like, it, there's just a million things going on there. So I just loved watching her in this movie. And she has a lot to play. And it was also fun to kind of watch her be, you know, in a, in a genre film. Which I don't, you know, like, she was in Hannah and stuff like that. I think Wasn't cool. she in Stoker? Yeah. No, 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 no. That's no, the no, one that's... from Wasikowski. Yeah. Was that Wasikowski? Okay. So, um, uh, one of the things that, but as the movie went on, I, I unlike Phil, um, I did not know that there was going to be this pulpy aspect of this brotherhood and this thing where they take it to this island and these people that were hunting them. And the movie slowly reveals that. So to me, the movie got more interesting as the pulpier aspects took over. So I was, I was starting to get really into it. Like I was like, Oh, Oh wow. Like I didn't, it was, you know, I didn't know any, I didn't know any of that was going to be in the movie. I thought it was just going to be these girls and they would kind of argue with each other and they had this relationship and there's, they're, but they're vampires. And instead it kind of turns into this more, um, action, not action, but but more of a mystery thriller 
thing going on there. And I really liked um, the origin uh, that they that they set out for them because you don't know everything about how they got to be vampires, and usually that you just allude to that or Sucrians. yeah. The, I mean, <laughs> I liked all that, and I thought it was neat the way they reveal it in pieces, like throughout the movie. Like yeah. you know, there's there's bits and pieces slowly, and you slowly get the big picture until it builds to the end when they all show up. Um, Which felt really forced to me when Sam Riley all of a sudden, like, he's met her twice his entire 500-year existence. It's just like, you know what? Despite my loyalty to this brotherhood, I'm going to drop everything for somebody I've met twice. She's so hot. She's <laughs> so hot. And I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but I'm like, really? That's um, the choice you make? I don't know. I, that didn't – that tracked for me only because I felt like they set his character up. I mean, no. I mean, the, he, I'm not going to lie. That's not a factor. When you in see, most when you see his, or their history together, he feels guilty from the get go about, about the what happened treated. to her, right? Because of Johnny Lee Miller's one character. person yeah, that like, he's met in the span of you know a century. He's a good guy. Yeah, but he, this centuries. person was 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 at the moment when he becomes a vampire. I so got I did, you. I did feel that that was important to him. So and was homeboy who saved his life, and, who was with him at the end, and he had spent a long saved time, his life, like <laughs> trying to find her. With just, the Brotherhood, so I did. Feel just saying, were, the guy who he betrays saved his life when he's dying. Yeah, he, just he, throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, know, I feel like if you had a guy, she's got really nice boots. Yeah, if yeah. you had a guy who's an old friend, and then like he may have saved your life when you're in the military, but then he turns into a total annoying manonist, you know, and you'd be kind of like, oh, I mean, I'm he not literally is like, him. I hate these crying women. <laughs> yeah, like really, you're just like, he's dude, a I'm not with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I saw, I know you saved my life and all, but you're a dick. No <laughs> one in my in my after 500 years, he brings up every time. He literally did, and I say. Life. Has a poster yeah. on his on his door that says "No girls allowed." Yeah, dude, it's like you're like, what do I got to do? I introduce you to David Bowie. <laughs> like, I, I, I got us out of the war of eighteen twelve. Come on, what do you want from me? <laughs> all right, well, all right. One of the more controversial choices so far. Indeed, it was fun though. Well, it's it. It's a cool. It's a cool movie. Yeah. Let's go into one that's probably not a controversial choice, which is a Philip choice, which is "Let the Right One In." We are, of course, talking about the 2008 Swedish version of the original version based on the 2004 novel, uh, which, by the way, if you haven't read anything else by this author, uh, John, I cannot pronounce his last name, Lindqvist, that or his middle name. Um, his, his stuff is great. He's written several sort of different takes on horror. He does a great zombie one that that French show, The Return, felt oh, like that's it was it. kind of a take on. It's not, but it's a similar theme. Uh, but there's an American version of this film a lot of people have seen called Let Me In, which yeah. I actually will defend and say I think was a really good movie. But to, but to me, but that's like, not essential to watch if you've already seen the other. You can watch one and go, okay, I saw this movie. But to me, that's like saying you can watch a 10 out of 10 or you can watch a 6.5 slow 7 out of 10. Oh, I don't know. I, I would give it them right around the no. same rating. I give this more points because it came out first, but I think it's an exceptional remake. Eh... Uh. I mean, I, I, again, we're not this, discussing the remake. No, this to me is a masterpiece and one of the greatest vampire films ever made. Um, What's it about, Phil? This is about um, pretty much, in. yeah, yeah. Well, this is about a young kid right who's right. uh, he's bullied. He's probably about a twelve-year-old or eleven-year-old kid who's bullied at school, and he's got no friends, and he's you know almost looks kind of albino-ish. He's very frail and very very blonde. And he winds up meeting his exact opposite, who's a, a dark-haired, mysterious girl who moves in next to him. Um, and she happens to be a vampire, and she has pretty much a, a manservant with her that protects her and does things with her because you don't realize being a 10 or 11 or 12-year-old kid, no matter how intelligent you are, you can't buy a house, you can't drive a car, you can't do so many things legally. So she actually has to have an adult 
pretty much manservant to do things for her. And throughout the story, you get to see these two characters change and kind of grow together. And uh, it's a beautiful story about acceptance and about, you know, overcoming, you know, uh, a, lo a lot of, you know, uh, uh, bad things in life. And they both have them. And uh, it's interesting, even like the character of, was it Hakar? Is that his name? Hakar? Hakan? Uh, it's interesting because like it's her, <laughs> her manservant guy. There's scenes in this movie that are just you watch them like the scene with the acid. That's one of the most powerful scenes in any vampire movie I've ever seen in my life or any movie period. I mean, it's powerful. And the movie's just it doesn't take genre as say, well, I guess we can be B-rate. It takes genre and says we're a class act, and it puts it up there at a level with any movie that can win an Oscar. I mean, this movie is just beautifully shot. Everything in it, uh, even all the sound was actually, they, they, they made it a point that all the sound had to be analog. So that way it actually really sounded like, it wasn't digitized, it was analog then digitized. Huh. So everything sounded like it was a real kill, a real noise. Um, uh, every single prop that was made was literally made to make sure it fit into actual uh, cinema scope, like the Jungle Gym. Uh, the bridge where she kills the one guy under the bridge. They searched everywhere for the proper bridge. That way when a car is driving over top, you could still see the car. and It wouldn't be too high of a bridge. I mean, this guy spent a year casting these actors. Mm -hmm. This is a man who literally made one movie in six years. And he made this movie. And it, it's, I mean, beautiful. And then he went on to do a Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy after that. Another beautiful movie, though. I don't care for Not a great movie, but beautifully shot <laughs> oh, and meticulously playing movie. Uh, that's one of the ones every other really serious film critic gets mad at me. Because I'm oh, like, I think that's like, one of the most boring movies I've uh, ever beautiful, seen in my though. life. Beautiful <laughs> and meticulous. So I, I love this movie. I mean, I can talk for hours about it, so i am pass the mic. I, I, I honestly don't know anyone who didn't like this movie uh, to be honest. Uh, it really did turn the vampire genre on its head and it brought a new life I think to the to the genre um, I do want to say that Hacken as the manservant is probably like the least effective manservant ever <laughs> like he literally, his one job is to kill dudes for, for Eli and he can't do it like he fails every single time to the point where he does have to get captured by police and disfigure himself. So I thought that was kind of fun. But otherwise, I feel like this is really a story. It's not a... It, the vampire part is second fiddle to the friendship. And this is really a story about friendship. So, oh, oh, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Uh, something interesting which they don't capture on is in the book... Hawkins actually a pedophile. Yeah, he's, uh, he's and what you what it doesn't you, and it barely touches on with uh, Eli is uh, that she by her maker was pretty much female castrated and stitched up. Mm -hmm. Right. So you've got a man who lusts after children is as is in love with her but can't do anything about it and Which, winds up starting being really hurt later on when he goes, "I wish you wouldn't see that boy anymore." Yeah. And so there's lots of really complex shit going on in this movie, and you, some of it you you think about like. Part of that has to do with his ineffectiveness at being who he is anymore. You know, about like, I'm trying to kill these things, but do I have it in me anymore, too? There's a lot of, you know, stuff that is kind of ahead of its time for a movie in 2008 oh. that has to deal with androgyny and is could be viewed as pretty squicky for to, sure. to deal with as well. I mean, the, the fact there's essentially a romance going on between these two young kids, um, you know, not a sexual one, which is actually impossible. For, for the vampire, as you said, has been forced is is kind of because of the nature of when they became a vampire and being castrated is uh, though that's is not a, in this movie explicitly. It just it shows is, it when she changes. Yeah. Right. Well, and then she also says, "I'm not a girl." At one point, yeah. Or she would she, would she say, "Would you like me better if I was?" 
She says we can't be boyfriend and girlfriend because I'm, I'm not, not a girl. girl. I'm not right. a girl. I'm not and then when she changes, it yeah. shows the, the scar. But yeah, it's not super explicit. It's not talked about. It didn't need to be either, which yeah. I thought was perfect. The way they handled it was perfect. I actually missed that the first time I watched it. It was only when I rewatched it. I was like, holy shit, she's a boy. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it went way over my head the yeah. first time. Well, yeah. She's, she's just a vampire. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I this is a masterpiece on so many levels. It's just it's just mood, tone, story. Um, it's just it's it's just a, it's you just enveloped by this movie when you watch it. You're just sucked in in so many ways, and it is a really beautiful piece of art. Um, the DP is I'm not pronounce his name right, but it's Hoyt Van Hatima. Good job. He probably <laughs> he went on to do Dunkirk. Her Spectre, like he is now just jumped a level. Like he's the, one of the biggest DPs in the world, and you can see why. But I think the real credit to the movie is the director. I think Thomas Amerson, like he just is that you say his name? Alfredson. Alfredson. He has when you after you when you see this and Tinker Taylor, regardless of your feelings about Tinker Taylor, the dude is a visionary. Like he he's has, Kubrick, man. To me, yeah. he's so meticulous. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And you feel that in the movie and the storytelling. It's it's very specific. He, he just his movies almost exist out of time like they're just you know they're they're not like anything else anybody's doing when when he makes them so I, I don't think he's made a movie since Tinker Taylor uh, he's got a new one coming up very shortly Snow the Man. trailers are out for now called The Snowman with Michael Fassbender oh, yeah. and Rebecca Ferguson yay it that looks sounds really amazing. good yeah so, um, great trailer we reviewed the trailer a couple weeks ago I was like god damn this looks amazing I can't watch wait that to see immediately this. after this thing is over so um yeah I don't if you're a fan of this podcast and you like horror movies like it's kind of hard to believe you wouldn't love this one yeah i mean it's just it's just next level stuff but it's still a genre film i think it still does all the vampire stuff it still has stuff going on it, it's not like trying to reinvent vampires or do something different with them it does add the uh the, like with the name let the right one in it actually finally shows which i know the author fought for what happens when you don't invite a vampire in? Yeah. Right. No vampire movie had actually really shown, and that's, he created his own canon. That's on that. hardly ever used anymore. And it was such which I thought was interesting. Cool. Yeah. Cool thing. Yeah. It was yeah. the name of you know his story, and so he actually fought to have it in there. And you see her start bleeding from every pore and orifice, and right. then it had to finally be invited in. Right. And he fought to have it in. I thought it was a cool, you know, a good fight to yeah. have. The kids are amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, kid actors are such a mixed bag when they're, you know, and these two are just. I can see he, it took a year to find somebody yeah, like that. Yeah. They're they're really amazing. You never doubt them. You never think twice about them. I mean, the idea that she's a vampire that's lived for we don't I don't even know how long, and and but is an adult, and then he's you know a kid and struggling. And I, it's a period piece as well, if I remember correctly. It's uh, yeah, eighties. It's the eighties, mm-hmm. which is neat. They don't they don't hit on it, but yeah, you can feel it. It's there, which is another you know great aspect to it. So yeah, I was a big fan. I don't. I mean, I don't have anything to add. It's it's fucking masterpiece it's everything everybody says it is and uh if you haven't seen it you're you're really missing out that's it and yeah. i agree with patience like i can't think of anyone that's seen this movie that doesn't love it yeah so, i didn't see the remake I, I i'm not it's weird to me it seems like one of the most inessential remakes ever yeah it's one um, of those like there's a lot of people who sadly just aren't going to seek out like the indie films, films or foreign mm-hmm. films yeah. and and, and I, I have some friends who I will defend on that level who are like look man I'm kind of dyslexic I can't keep yeah. up yeah, with subtitles yeah I have friends that hate you subtitles know? and just can't but, do and it and you're like okay like I would love to watch that film but I, and I don't want to watch a dubbed version because those are always horrible mm-hmm. and you're like okay so there's a certain I mean, amount of defense for that, that I mean it's it's an almost identical 
film. It really is. There's just a few differences where they they unfortunately chose to use CG instead of practical for a couple of things. Mm-hmm. But I will say the filmed car accident in that I was about to say the same thing is astonishing. It's same like thing. the best like like what what it's like to be in a car accident ever. Well, the, the camera's mounted on the front. And it's a still-mounted camera, so as the yeah. car is getting wrecked, the camera's moving with the car, yeah. and you feel like, you're like, holy shit, I am in this car. Now, yeah. I will say, that was the one thing about that film that I go, that was better than the original. Yeah, that, that one scene. Mm. But everything else, cinematically, like, it's just kind of like, I mean, to me, cinematically, it's just a huge difference between them, but story-wise, yeah, it's the same story. Fair enough. All right, so we're going to go, obviously, this is going to have to be split up into two episodes, which I could have told you before. So the end of our first half, we'll go with my choice, which is the legendary masterpiece of Life Force. Okay, I fully admit... Bomb thrower, Chris. Life Force is totally a B film, to be sure, but... It's kind on of on an A level. I thought it, it was these, but, but, but <laughs> yeah. it is one of the, my favorite B films of all time. <laughs> but I'm I would add Life Force to my list of like like the great John Carpenter films and all those where you're the ones where you're like, yeah, of course this isn't like something that you go and you show in film class or something. But for people who love just a super fun, really inventive, like hard to take on horror. Life Force is it, baby. And this is Toby Hooper, of course, <laughs> did uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, changed the world with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Here, this is based on a book. I Yes, I've read and owned the book version of What Life a shock. Force. Read it before I saw the movie. Oh, my, my God, Wilson. what a nerd. The Space nerd. Vampires is what it's called. <laughs> Uh, the idea it's being, actually called Space Vampires. Yeah. They had to change the name because the studio thought it was too B-rate. Well, <laughs> it's funny. The author, uh, Colin Wilson, tends to do, when he, when he does write genre stuff, he writes a lot of nonfiction, too. His genre stuff is a, always a very thinly veiled allegory for what he's actually talking about, and the book is that way. The what was he novels. talking about? Yeah, I didn't, I I don't don't this is an allegory for something? Yeah. Yeah. Not, the movie, not so much. This is so loosely based on the book. Like, okay. really loosely. Um, the idea is Space Shuttle... Uh, finds this huge spaceship hidden inside of the the tail of, of Halley's Comet, which seems unlikely. Uh, <laughs> it was 85. It was a different time. They go inside and they find tons of dead, strange, like, alienish, like, giant bat creatures that are just dry and brittle. And then they find these beautiful glass boxes with incredibly gorgeous naked people inside them, a, a, a woman and two men. And they're like, well, let's take them back with us. Well, on the way back, people lose contact with the ship come back there's only one survivor steal steve rails back go rails back wow. <laughs> and the the vampires <laughs> such escape with most notably matilda may plays the just knockout gorgeous lead vampire oh yeah here, uh who matilda is, may and her titties who goes uh, yeah indeed who goes around and is instead of sucking blood they suck out the titular life force sounds weird to say titular i'm, yeah, talking yeah. About I'm with you though um and steve rails back is sort of in a position where he's the one guy who can track them down and stop them. He has a psychic link. He has a psychic link with her, like almost a sort of lover's intimacy. They 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 intimate uh, throughout it, and he's used to sort of be their their hound dog to track them down. As Matilda May can not only like get around anywhere she wants, sucking very graphically, sucking the life force out of some people till they're just a, a husk, but actually inhabiting other people's bodies, including one very memorable sequence where she's inhabiting Patrick Stewart, who makes out with Steve Railsback. <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Sir Patrick Stewart. Have you ever seen that gift of Patrick Stewart making out with another dude? That's from this movie. <laughs> um, ah. This is just one of those movies so 
pardon the pun once again, batshit insane mm-hmm. that I just adore it. It's just, it gets crazier and crazier as it goes on. It actually has some very innovative use of, of uh, visual effects here. And it's just fun. Is it poorly acted? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it a ridiculous plot with lots of holes in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but is it really fun to watch and a very different take on vampires than you've ever seen before? Yes and yes. I don't even know what to say about Life Force, to be honest with you. I, I am astonished that this had a $25 million budget. Um, <laughs> it's I all agree. on the screen. It's like the apocalypse is happening by the end of it. Seriously. I agree with you on every single point that you just made, though. Um, this is seriously one of the craziest films. I, I mean, they just put everything in there. It's not just vampires. It's zombies. It's the apocalypse of London. Um, it's, I mean, it. there's... <sighs> You're like, there's I, a lot of like dream sex sequences with space vampires. Yeah, I, 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 I and even... in this case, I'm like, thank you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you had me at space vampires, basically. Um, this is a really crazy film, but I actually found myself enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to. I really did not want to like gonna, this film. I'm, fuck, Chris, I'm gonna hate this. I movie. know. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. But I actually, I was found myself entertained. Strangely enough, it's a <laughs> terrible, terrible film. It's really, really bad. But it's one of those so bad. It's actually kind of good. Fair enough. That's the I'm, best I can't I can wait do. to see Philip, who was cracking me up, commenting <laughs> online about this, who was like criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. And in the end, he's like, okay, that was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, the first 10 minutes are just god awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally, there are like these fake looking vampires hanging by like thread, and you can see like the nylon thread holding these vampires. <laughs> I go, this isn't the 1920s. Come on, man. And what uh, part of that isn't awesome? Yeah. I, I love that. Well, I had to prepare myself to, know, like, once I got into it's not supposed to be good yeah i was okay with it and and uh you can't really critique this movie it's just fun and like as long as you know you you know are allowed to like you know smoke something or drink something and watch this you're gonna have a fucking blast i was sober when i watched this film wow i know i was not (laughs) i should have recommended if you were drunk it would have sobered you up yeah Yeah. right i maybe i would have liked it even more yeah it's uh you know uh you get to see Professor X in the wheelchair for the first time. There's that. <laughs> true, true. That's cool. Um, I feel like a lot of the special effects, like, he was just, like, went on, like, a Highlander binge. And there, because, I mean, I was just like, hey, that's the quickening. That's what's well, going on right now. When you look about when this came out, uh, this followed, he made this after Poltergeist, and that, the whole visual effect, swirling stuff, looks exactly like all the ghost effects in Poltergeist. It's the same thing. You know what I hate about it, though? Is that the special effects blew away the visual effects so much so, and, like, yeah, they had Dykstra on there, and it's like, cool, the guy made the lightsaber, I'm like... Dude couldn't make a spaceship to save his fucking life. Use a model, man. Use a model. Uh, you were on Star Wars. The scenes with London oh. are a model. Um, that, no, those are a model. Yeah. Sure. The spaceships are not models, no, and they no, look horrible. Yeah. It looks hand-drawn by like... Like a 150-foot-long meter or something? It, mile. Mile. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. We can do meters. Yeah. Uh, Could have been cool. But what, oh, and... Uh, 
Okay, I was going to say something else about that. Oh. Um, got another note here. Do these guys count as vampires? No, no not really. I don't. Uh, it's based on a book called The Space oh, Vampire. That's what I was going to say. Something that was cool about it was how they actually kept some of Bram Stoker's original stuff in there with like having a ship show up where everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. It was kind of a little throwback to the boat yeah, showing up. a bunch up. of little tiny... And then like, the Nosferatu oh, hands with the, with, with the naked girl's tits kind of walking forward. And then yeah. it's like, it was the exact same shot as Nosferatu's hands, just a naked girl's shadow. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of a cool throwback homage. And there were some really cool tongue-in-cheek B-rate homages to the classics, and I thought that was cool. And I'm out. All right. <laughs> I got a lot of shit to say. <laughs> um, I can't strap in. Yeah, yeah. And, and first of all, uh, what I want to say when, when Chris picked this movie, um, uh, I think this is exactly the kind of movie that we should talk about on this podcast. I, I do think this is a deep cut. I, I think it's a fun movie to talk about. It's interesting for so many levels, just the context of the movie and what they're trying to do and what they failed at and what they succeeded at, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But but um, Life Force is it, it is a one-of-a-kind movie on, on so many levels. Um, the first like thing for good reason. Yeah, and the first thing I want to say about the movie is it is a canon movie. Um, and yes, uh, there is nothing better than seeing that canon logo at the beginning of the movie and thinking, yeah, I'm in for some shit. This is going to be crazy. And it probably won't necessarily be good. Um, and there's just... I, I feel like there is... Uh, a, a canon uh, vibe to a movie, and this thing has it. It's all over the place. You can you can just feel the the, the guys in rooms with cocaine dripping out of their noses, <laughs> saying, "And then we'll do this crazy thing." And this and it just there is no attempt to have the movie make sense in any real way at all. Um, the movie, uh, I, I think, I think what I find interesting about the movie is it's it's from. Is it 85? Yeah, 85. 85, 84? And uh, I just... I, I cannot get over that uh, the, the film... What is going on? <laughs> There's a cat hissing in the background at something. We've got, we've got cat problems. The cat is irritated by your take on life. <laughs> the cat is wrong. Uh, what I was going to say was... So, so the movie came out in, what, 84, 85? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, 85. Um, and and it, I, I want to say it came out in the summer of that year. So... This movie is contending with films like Back to the Future. Somebody said (laughs) we should take Life Force and drop it in the middle of, like, the 80s summer. And and people were like, this is going to be awesome. Uh, So I love that about it. It does kind of have the the, the 80s widescreen feel to it. So I I really enjoyed that um, to the movie. And it has a ton of great British actors just slumming it, just picking up a paycheck. And and I gotta say, it is crazy to me that you have these really good um, British actors and then you have Steve Railsback. Yeah. And I want to take a minute and talk about Steve Railsback. He is... I, I do not understand this guy's career. He is... He is he definitely has his own style of acting. Nobody's and, ever described him as a great actor. Yeah, I don't even know it's acting. He basically, like, shouts lines at people <laughs> in a staccato fashion. And he has done this in every movie I've ever seen him in. Um, and, and I just, I don't know who said, guys, we got to make this giant space vampire movie. You know who's a sexy, cool lead? Steve fucking Railsback. Well, they could fucking Railsback. They couldn't get William Shatner. They, they couldn't tried. get William Shatner. The other staccato and spaceman. Right. But Shatner is, is great at that, and, and his is just the horrible version Why of it. Why would vampires um, need a starship? I, I, 
in, I mean, it's. I have to say, in, in just, it's it's such a weird exploitive movie. Oh, there, there also is. A, the, the rules make no sense to this movie. They're, they're, they are constantly changing, literally from minute to minute within the same scene. I never figured out what the rules of these space vampires were ever. Um, you cannot chart it. The other thing I want to say about the movie is it is incredibly homophobic. It, it has this bizarre scene where the, the the space vampire has taken over Patrick Stewart and and. And 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 Steve Railsback is drawn to him, her, whichever you want to say, and he starts to. She's he's he's forced to make out with him, and and the guys have to pull him off, and it's almost though they're more horrified that he's making out with a man than a vampire, which I just could not get over. It's, it's a very strange scene, and, and very, in the middle of a really strange no, movie, I will defend that scene because not it's not a little homophobic for sure. It is, but that it is one of the ultimate you will stop everything you're doing and watch this scene it is, and it, it's <laughs> in a movie that you will stop everything and watch um the other thing i want to say is uh uh there is a crazy bat creature at the end that is worth seeing this movie for totally. if, you're, if you're a fan of crazy bat creatures this is really great this um, is your crazy so, yes yeah, so this this movie is um i think kind of a forgotten movie and certainly far from universally beloved but um it <laughs> If you're if if you if you're interested in movies and, and I want to say is it it's not necessarily an entertaining movie um but it but it is it is entertaining in in being that great kind of bad movie but it, it is something to see and I just I I do have to recommend it to to film fans and I know a lot of people would say why would you make me watch it and it goes on and on it is a very long movie why did you watch the director's cut and there has I guess yeah, I, I, the director's cut's a lot longer I it it really is crazy and and it's and you can't believe Tobey Hooper. Uh, who directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Directed this movie. I know, right? It's it's crazy. The t- Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a masterpiece. It is it is a phenomenal movie. It is it is beyond what you would think a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be. And Hooper made and Hooper, I guess, had a contract with Canon in the eighties, and he made um, Invaders from Mars. He remade Invaders from Mars. Also, also a crazy, weird, junky movie. He made uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Which I guess has its fans. Like, it's yeah, a very you watch strange it as movie. What he intended, which is that I really think it's ridiculous. People like Texas Chainsaw Massacre as much as they do, so I'm kind of doing a parody, a send up of it, and everyone's like, "I don't get it." I'm like, "You watch it as a satire. It's actually a pretty good movie." Uh, is it? I I think. So. And then and then you have this movie. So he really went off. And Poltergeist. They, they threw and money. Well, at, arguably Poltergeist. Yeah. And part, arguably Poltergeist, but. As far as this canon trilogy that he made, I mean, they, they, they really did give him some big budgets and let him go wild with these movies. And uh, what he gave them, I, I don't I, – it's a, it's a crazy, crazy artifact from the 80s. It's not really like any other 80s movie I I, I would of. call it like it's, one of those films that, yeah, it's not a good film, but it's so essential to watch anyway. If you really want to see the 80s at its weirdest and wildest, Life Forces and got to be in the top 10. I, I could like, not agree with you. And, not and you know, it's it's interesting with, with 80s movies. People return to these 80s movies and they talk about the same 80s movies over and over again. But this is also a, a great 80s movie and shows the kind of filmmaking that was going on at that time. Um, even if it's not a, a successful movie, it, it very much fits into that kind of uh, 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 feeling that the 80s movies have. 
Um, it's just a different feel than you would get from something like an Amblin movie. So I'm reading different quotes and whatnot off of the commentary There's track. Some great stuff. Toby Hooper and some other people. And I mean, this movie's all about just Matilda May just being naked. Yeah. And this quote is In the early stages of shooting, waxing her completely so she was completely and totally nude, long pause. That was a way we would think that it would make her look less nude. It didn't work, so we had to grow back a little bit of that bikini thing. <laughs> that was a lot of thoughts. Cheek thoughts. There's, there's, so like many, cheek thoughts. there's so many great quotes around this movie. Like Colin Wilson wrote the book, uh, said, John Fowles once told me that the film of the Magus was the worst movie ever made. After seeing Life Force, I sent him a postcard telling him I had gone one better. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, there, there was something else I wanted to say about this movie. Um, I, I listened to uh, Walter Hill's been on podcast recently with his new movie. And, and he spent a while talking about uh, Dan O'Banion's original script for Alien that he had written and that he had sent to his uh, – uh, Walter Hill had sent to his, his writing partner, David Geiler, and, and said, um, read this script. And Geiler read 30 pages of the script and called him back and said, this script is terrible. I, why are you having me read this? And he said, wait till you get to the one part, which we all know what part that was in Alien, yeah. But, um, but he talked about that it had all this crazy stuff in it like – you know, Mayan temples and, and just weird stuff. And I have to think this movie probably comes closer to what O'Bannon's original script for Alien might have been. Wow. I, I definitely had that, that feeling that this this was more of what he was trying to do for that. Um, I, I also want to say, as far as the Matilda May thing, um, I think there was another quote from O'Bannon that I remembered where he said they had written it, that it had to be this beautiful woman, and it, it was just, you know, she was stunning, and you would, you know, you would be drawn to her. And, and he said, good luck. And he said, wow, Hooper really did find that girl. And I do have she to say, really Ma did. Matilda May, there, there, she is uh, luminous in this movie. Um uh, and it's weird because it's it, it's her in the middle, and she it's definitely an exploitative role. But it, she is she amazing. She didn't even speak English when she did this role. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to say she uh, did it phonetically. She, yeah. yeah, so that is true. Uh, but sorry, sure, Rob, no, I took all your time. I mean, she is one of the most beautiful women in film in this film. Where you're like, my God, she can't take her eyes off her. She's so. There, there is kind of a almost a a, a, um, a Bridget Bardot yes. uh, kind of uh, '70s art house. Uh, 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 feeling to her. Yeah. I, I don't think I responded as passionately as Russ did to this movie. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I kind of like, I watched it, I was kind of like, cool, this is this is some what the fuck kind of shit. And I... I <laughs> You're like, fuck, I bet you said fucking cocks like yeah, 18 I, times. I, you know... I, God damn it, Chris. Well, it's weird because as with, as with all... Um, these things, I do feel like there is elements of this movie that were interesting to me and would grab me, but you know, I just, most of it is a head-scratcher. You're just like, why are they, like, who, why did they set this movie in London? Why did they hire Tobey Hooper? What, what in Tobey Hooper's career made you think, this is the guy? Give him the space movie, you know? <laughs> it, just, it just, it makes no sense. And he brings... <laughs> that too. Like, you maybe you're out of your element here, and um, I again, you Hooper, know, you are out of your element. Yeah, Hooper, you're yeah. You feels like you wandered in the middle of the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, some of the special the special effects in this movie are incredibly dicey. They are a mixed bag at best. There is a sequence where they self destruct the ship, um, and it was great. It was like this really amazing thing where rails back. I think because he doesn't have to act much, he just has to float. Um, but they, it's really exciting. It was really well shot, well staged. The special effects were good. Um, it, but you know, and there's a there's a point at the end. Speaking of the vampire stuff, where they connect the space vampires and say like they've been here before, they have a history. They're why we have vampires in our legends. And I, I, I thought that was 
I think that was the one moment where I thought, oh, I see why Chris suggested this movie. Like, okay, that's kind of a cool idea. So the, there's stuff going on, but the movie itself, you know, as Russ said, like, it just, you don't understand what's Phil happening. Phil looked so cynically at me when you said that. No, just kind I of mean, did the slow movie it? turn where he looks yeah. at me and just stares at me. You guys can't side see it, but I'm side-eyeing Chris. Side eyeing the fuck out of Chris. But, yeah, Chris, you're in my eyeline, so you get that. But I did... You know, I, again with Ross, it, it is a canon movie from the '80s, so it's trashy. It's kind, of, it's it's nutso. It doesn't seem that they didn't seem to spend a lot of time on making sure the script was right. That doesn't seem to be a priority. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the script uh, really wasn't a priority. It really for this just, film. it really is, a, a, it really is a unique movie. I will probably say that's its biggest strength is that it is unlike anything. I mean, and I don't know that that's what they were trying to go for. Yeah, no, they were trying to make a good movie. Yeah, they were trying to make an alien vampire. I guess I, I guess they gave it to Hooper because he done Salem's Lot, and that's a really. If it's not on our list, but if you haven't seen Salem's Lot, the TV version, it is a really solid, cool movie. It's probably the only other great Tobey Hooper thing besides, for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Poltergeist? And, um, right. Well, once again, Poltergeist, is it? you hear different stories that, from people who worked Cooper on that film, Spielberg. whether Spielberg actually directed yeah, Massacre. I, don't, I have to say, I, I like Salem's Lot and Texas Chainsaw better than Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist had a problem with But watching Poltergeist, I would probably argue it's, it's definitely more of a Spielberg movie. I mean, it's just it's, the compositions, the... The, the staging, it's a Spielberg movie to me. But I don't know. We'll never know for sure who did what. I, overall, with this movie, um, you know, if you like B-movies, like, and you want, like, a like a, like a a beer-drinking draft house movie, this is the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is definitely a, like, throw a stuff weird, at the screen. This is a weird Wednesday this, movie. Yeah, yeah. The, or a masterpiece. You, you, you won't be mad at this movie. I mean, it gives you a lot of it, shit you want. Whatever it does, forward. it yeah. goes all the way. You know? <laughs> and I think, like, you got to give them props for that. Like, they I don't know where in. their heads are at, but, you know, and you can, 100% in. in. Yeah. And you can be that friend that brings it up at the party. Oh, you ever seen Life Force? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> look at people like they're fucking idiots. This make a great drinking game. I do want to say, before we wrapped up on here, just some of the negative reviews are the best. I love negative reviews sometimes when they're just the critics hate it so much they come up with great descriptions one critic called it hysterical vampire porn <laughs> yeah. uh, and somebody else said it plays like a tap dancing zombie <laughs> it's like I don't even know what it's hard to describe this film in terms of other movies it's yeah. just it's just a one of a kind like train wreck so yeah it is what it, it is yeah I give it a try is what I can say because you might fall in I, I love this movie in that deeply ironic way yeah you know I mean I admit it yes it's it is, it is, it defines camp in that they, you can tell when they're making this, they're like, yeah, this is great, man. We're going to kill it. Like, everybody's going to love this. We got this naked chick. We got, like, vampires. We got dudes making out. Like, it's on point. And London is blowing up. Yeah, like yeah. And it Every gets, time you think this can't get more insane, it goes, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Well, wa- hold my beer and watch this. Literally, like, <laughs> end of the world stuff. But I, I do have to say, yeah, so I think it defines camp in that it took its, it, there is not a trace of irony to this movie. They yeah. play everything straight. And that alone is worth seeing the movie for. Well, we will break there for this first episode because we're at, like, an hour and 43 minutes. Jesus. And so we will continue Sorry, with a part two where we get to see everybody's second choice, which will definitely be a shorter show because we don't have the big lead in of the three <laughs> films. But uh, until then, yada, yada, whatever our catchphrase is, was it? Keep screaming. Keep screaming. Keep Keep screaming. Sure, if you want to. Whatofus.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, 
the original gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel.